Hey, happy Mother's Day again. Uh, before I was planning out the schedule for uh, this sermon series in Ruth, I did not think I was going to come to this passage on Mother's Day, but it's about two, two mothers. And so worked out in God's kind, good providence. And so we're actually going to talk quite a bit about motherhood today. Um, there are uh, three books left by... Um, a theologian that did a, a commentary, a very uh, accessible commentary in the back there, Paul Miller. And some of you asked, inquired about how to purchase that. You can, you can simply put $18 in the offering plate, or you can give $18 to Jen. Um, Jen, why don't you raise your hand uh, if you are interested in following along a, uh, with a book as we go through Ruth. So, um, this is God's word to you today. This is in Ruth 1, starting in verse 15, and we'll read through the end of the chapter there down to verse 22. So, this is Ruth 1, starting in verse 15, and it says, And she said, uh, and that she is Naomi, she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, No more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. So why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So it's our practice here to pray together. We spend some moments in silence, and very simply what we're doing in that space is just remembering in large part that we have a soul, that we are not just uh, eminent beings that are just existing in this particular spot, but we are eternal beings that will live trillions and trillions and trillions of years. Now, that alone is bizarre because most of us are trapped in our present moment. But when we pray, what we're doing is our soul is linking up to, to the one who created us just by that simple act. And because of the busyness of our world, because of the busyness of all of our days, um, silence is very key in our present moment to remember who we are and to remember who God is. And so we sit in moments of silence and remember that God is present here with us. And so let's do that together. I'll pray and then we'll uh, look at this text for a little bit. Let's pray. Father, by your Spirit, you hovered over all that we know. 
and you brought order into the midst of that chaos. You brought order into the midst of things that are completely out of our control. And Lord, the way in which you've called us to image you in this world is through that great protective spirit that you've given specifically to mothers. Lord, to hover over um, others, to hover over chaotic things in this life, and to form a protection around sometimes our children, but many times all that we come into contact with. And so, Lord, as we, as we uh, look in this text about what it means to image you and to bring people under the shadow of our tiny little wings as your little mirrors in this world, that you would point us to Jesus Christ, who, when he uh, was entering into Jerusalem, desperately, desperately wanted uh, all of Israel to come under um, him as a mother bird. Um, But we would not, that we refused you like Israel. And yet, that still was not the end of the story. And so no matter where we're at this morning, no matter what joy or brokenness or numbness we may feel this morning, we trust that you're here and that you're bringing all things into union with your son, Jesus. And so help us to see him today. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going to talk about the the love and the pain of motherhood. So point one, the love of motherhood. Now remember... The context of our particular passage was started out with this woman named Naomi, and she lost her her husband, Elimelech, and then she lost her two boys, and they had married Moabite women, which aren't from her hometown, Bethlehem, and over the course of time, her boys died, and so she was encouraging uh, her daughter-in-laws to go back to Moab because they had a better chance at finding husbands in the country of Moab. And every, this is a patriarchal culture, uh, and so everything was tied to what, what a man could provide for you. God didn't say that that's how things were supposed to be set up. That was the culture in which he was working in. And so one of the daughter-in-laws goes back to Moab, and the other daughter-in-law, Ruth, doesn't. And she clings, she clings desperately to Naomi. And then she says this, basically it's a, uh, a commitment of, a, uh, an expression of commitment in sort of like a poem in verses 16 through uh, 17. And it, what it is, is it's a, uh, it's a picture of this thing called covenant love or hesed love, which is all throughout the Old Testament. I just want to reread it. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you for where you go, I will go and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. And may the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Now what Ruth just did right there is that she limited almost every option of getting ahead in this life. In fact, it was a massive, massive deficit to attach herself to Naomi in this way. And she wasn't going to get anything in return for that commitment. Now that what she's doing right there is that she's imaging God to us. 
She's imaging what God is like in the world to us. There's a, uh, a writer named Paul Tripp who says that love, this is hard, y'all. This is what I tell, if you're in premarital counseling with me, this is what I tell you is the bedrock of your marriage. Uh, Paul Tripp says, love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of the other that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. I'm going to read that again because this is what Ruth is showing us. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person that you're loving is deserving. Now, this is exactly what Ruth did when she clung to Naomi. Ruth is highly, highly limiting her options for any sort of comfort in this life. She embraces missing out on many things. And Ruth is refusing to embrace what many of us modern people have have really bought into, just individual self-expression, autonomous individuality. Like Ruth, Ruth says no to that. And, and what happened is that she, she lost her life when she clung to Naomi in this way. Um, Sarah was reading something. Sarah's my wife, by the way. Um, Sarah was reading something online uh, this week, and she said, you know, when you're little and you're uh, waiting in your car to go on a road trip with uh, your family, and your mom goes back into the house to get something, and she's like, I'll be right back, and then she just takes forever, and she's, she's like, is in the house for like 10 minutes, and you're wondering, like, what in the world could she be doing for this long? And then let's say you grow up and you become a mom and you realize what she was doing. She was doing everything, literally everything. Um, and oftentimes, <laughs> without any sort of think- thanksgiving or recip- like the people that should be loving her back, or they're not reciprocating that love back to you. And this is what Ruth is doing. And this is sort of the bedrock of what it means to love as a mom. Um, to not expect anything in return. And mothers are, in some ways, forced into a selfless life. For instance, if you tell an infant, okay, I will rock you, and I will make sure that you're full and cozy, and if you do that, little baby, I'm going to need you to sleep through the night, you know? Um, an infant is, I mean, they're cute and cuddly, but like they're, self, they're self-absorbed creatures, right? And all you do as a mom is that you give and you give and you give and you receive nothing back for years. You give of your time and your sleep and all that you are. And you would think, this, and this is the beautiful part about how God works in, in our hearts, you would think that Somebody that just takes all that you are away from you. If you follow the natural inclinations of your life, you're like, you would be embittered or or frustrated. But what do you find when you give yourself to another human being like that? Your heart is intricately linked to them. You love them more the more you serve them. That's very counterintuitive. And what Ruth does is that she, she attaches herself to Naomi... And she was not expecting anything in return except a more difficult life. And she doesn't know Naomi's people. 
She barely knows Naomi's God, but this outsider, what she's showing us is what God is actually like, and that true love doesn't avoid pain, and it doesn't avoid risk, and it doesn't avoid loss. She even said in verse 17, if it comes to losing my life, then so be it. She had given up. And this leads to the double-edged sword of all relationships, but especially motherhood, Um, to open your heart up to another person in this way um, is an invitation to, to pain. And as you move on in this life, you realize that there is no, there's no true love without the risk of pain. And to allow another human being to attach to you in this way or to, for you to attach to another human being in this way is very, very, very vulnerable. And the only place safe from this type of love is hell itself. C.S. Lewis said that. He said, the real place that's only, that, that can only be safe from all attachment and love is if you lock your heart up from attaching to any person in this life. But what you'll find is that if you keep it locked up, it'll grow impenetrable. And so um, this means, y'all, that if you are perhaps broken over relationships this morning, if there's a part of your heart that's sad over relationships, then that means that God is at work in your heart. It means that your heart hasn't given up having hope that there can be some sort of mending, some sort of uh, gospel healing. And that's what uh, God's doing in this text through Naomi. He's calling to her out of her pain, specifically the pain of her motherhood. He's saying, I want you to be faithful. I want you to remember who I am. Uh, Verse 19 through 21. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity on me? Um, there, there is something about a woman's ability uh, to house pain, both emotionally and physically. Um, we have seen it in our text earlier in chapter 1. These three women, they knew how to cry and weep together. But in our text, Naomi is super, super honest. Uh, as they enter the gate of the town, and so the gate of the town is where legal stuff would happen, but that's where all the community would, would hang out. They enter the town, and as Naomi's coming back home, the women of the town are like talking. They're like, is this, is this Naomi? Naomi's name means pleasant. And Naomi said, actually, my identity has changed. Don't call me pleasant anymore. I've become, she's saying, I have become bitter because of what the Lord has done to me. My life used to be pleasant because of the fullness of my motherhood, is what she's saying. But the Lord has taken that away from me, and so I'm bitter. So call me Mara. Change my identity to bitterness. 
because of all this calamity. That word calamity could uh, also be translated as bad or evil, and it's often a word described when something bad happens to you in a battle. It's like the, the people that got defeated. And so, so like this is where Naomi is. She's, she's in a hard place. She's in a bad place. And she says, it's God's fault that I'm in this bitter pain. And one of the things we learn from Naomi is that she knows where to take her complaint. She takes it to God himself. She, she could have certainly blamed her culture. It was, it was patriarchal, and the reason why she didn't have any financial stability is that she didn't have a connection to a man. And yet, she says, it's actually God that I have beef with. And here's something that I think we need to desperately uh, focus on. Um, when you go through events, especially traumatic events, when your life doesn't go like you think that it should go, um, we have to learn to go to the source of the problem. And that's what half the Psalms are. They are complaints directed to God and their prayers called laments. And it's people wrestling with God for how things have gone. And God does not immediately fix the problem. But what he does do, like the mother bird at the beginning of Genesis is that he hovers over that chaos silently. And when you're in a place like Naomi, there really aren't, there are no words that can address what she's feeling in a, in a proper way. And so if you have friends that are going through this level of pain, um, it's best not to say anything. But just sit there and cry. Um, there's a great movie called Lars and the Real Girl, where Ryan Gosling, the character, he um, is dating this doll, uh, and the doll dies. And all these old women come and sit uh, right next to Ryan Gosling's character, and they don't, they don't say anything. They just knit um, because they know how to grieve. If you're going through pain right now, uh, there is only one way to go to the deepest level of processing that pain, which is to go to the source. You can be as angry and bitter as you need to be for a time, but eventually you got to tell God, this is, where, this is where I'm at, and I'm coming after you, because this is on you. God can actually deal with that. He, he wants that level. That's what Israel means, one who strives with God. And this is where Naomi is. This is what many of you mothers know. You know how to sit in that. Husbands, <laughs> we unfortunately try to offer solutions too fast, as many of us know, try to fix the problem. Uh, mothers know better. Mothers know the ability to house life and to birth life comes with a curse, which dates all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. That there will be pain, y'all, there will be pain in your relationships as mothers, specifically with your children, that goes beyond physical pain. And the reason why 
is more than scientific. It's more than attachment theories, which are really helpful. But the reason why that's the case is because your souls are linked to your children. It's spiritual. That, that's why Naomi is saying, look, look, town, look home. I'm coming back home, but I'm empty. I'm empty because it feels like my life has been gutted because I don't have my boys anymore. Or my husband. But there's hope because she's not cynical. She's hurting and she's reacting to that hurt, which means that her heart is still open to God. So, um, why in the world would I bring this up on Mother's Day? You know, we want to feel happy today. We want to feel blessed. Um, well, first, because Mother's Day, I've talked to, I sent out multiple texts to people in various spots uh, this week. And I was like, hey, how, what's Mother's Day like for you? And, and more than half say, say that it's a challenge in various ways. And it's because of conflicts and, and circumstances. But part of the reason why I'm saying this is that I want you mothers in particular to hear, uh, and all of us here in this room, that God really does give you permission to be honest. Like with exactly where you're at. Like you're allowed to lament. And God can take it. And in some sense, he's inviting you into that level of communion with him. And this, this story, you know, at this point, neither of these women were technically mothers. And so when they w- if they had heard the word Mother's Day in their culture, they would have cringed with, with pain. They would not have liked this day because it would have brought up all those old feelings of emptiness and voidness. And they would have remembered Genesis 3.16, in pain, in pain you shall bring forth children. There's no way out of it. And Naomi doesn't relieve that tension. She's naming the curse and she doesn't offer solutions. And what they're doing is that they're teaching us how how to lament. Um, Amy Carmichael, she's a British missionary in the early 20th century. When she was in India... She was trying to understand the culture in which she was ministering to. And what she was noticing was that these families were selling their daughters to the temple. Um, And it was because the the little girls weren't as valuable to that culture as the little boys. And as she was observing them growing up, what she realized, early 20th century, is that they they were becoming sex slaves to the temple. And so Amy Carmichael made it her mission to begin to rescue these little girls from this terrible, terrible sort of funneling path that they were going down. And she was writing to her supporters back in, back in Britain and saying, hey, this is what's happening. Um, and her supporters began to ask her to tell more positive stories. They began to say, we, maybe we should get you off the field because we're not seeing enough conversions, and they were unwilling to look at the horror of what was happening. And what Naomi is doing as she's going into the gate of Bethlehem, she's saying, I want you to look at the horror of what has happened to me, because as you enter my pain, you enter my story, and that's how you love me. That's how you love me, and this is exactly what God does with her. Carolyn James, uh, uh, she said this at a lecture at Taylor University about the book of Ruth. She says, traditional interpretations of the book of Ruth tend to throw us off its original meaning. In this culture, 
you measure the value of a woman by her ability to have sons. A woman's contribution to the world was her ability to have sons because that's how you survived in the ancient Near East. This is a book like Job, except through the eyes of Naomi. It's not a fairy tale, but a profoundly epic story of God and suffering. God isn't happy about that culture, but you see the gospel more clearly when you know that that's what God's doing in this particular culture. And so why, why, do, why are we bringing this up? It's because if you're a mother in this room, you just may feel guilty all the time. Um, you may look at Ruth and you're like, I don't love like that. And you may look at Naomi and you're like, I've avoided feeling that. And I fail on both fronts. And here's the beautiful part about how the gospel works. God always uses what's broken to draw us into deeper communion with himself. And this is what Ruth is about. To say it bluntly, in our text, their lives were bad at this point. And what Naomi wanted from the very beginning, all she wanted was just goodness for those around her. As a parent, that's what you want for your children. You just want their goodness. And what you're trying to do as a parent is protect your child enough to set them up for the most goodness that they can experience in this life. And what God slowly and sometimes painfully shows us is that our children need more than what we can give them. that what they actually need is, is beyond what we're capable of giving. And whether we get there slowly or quickly, we all eventually end up in the position of Naomi and Ruth. Empty, without God. And y'all, that's where God is guiding us. That's where he wants to take you on that route of saying, I don't, I don't have anything except you. And I don't have anything to give anybody except you. And part of the way that the gospel mends all wounds is that when you come to the end of yourself, and this is what's happening with Naomi, when you are empty, that's when God can fill you up. It's part of the point. Some of you may know the story of St. Augustine. You remember Monica was his mother. St. Augustine stole some fruit. This is how he converted to Christianity. He stole some fruit, and he's like, you know, the strangest thing happened. I didn't even want the fruit. What I wanted was the feeling that I got when I disobeyed. And that's part of how he converted to Christianity, because he realized that the problem is internal. And as a parent, What you need to understand is that your children's problem is the same problem that you have, which is a heart issue. Like, what do you do? How do you protect someone from something that's inside them? And that's where Monica, what she did, she's like, okay, I'm watching my boy. He's so successful, and he's trying to convert me to this pagan philosophy, and he's sleeping with these women and impregnating people and not being... A good, a good man. And so she says to St. Saint, saint Augustine, before he's a saint, she said, 
I need you to move out. You got to move out. And then she wept for years and years and years and prayed. And at her death, Augustine said, I, I cried about my mom for an hour, but that was nothing compared to all the tears she wept for me for years and years and years. And what happened through, through this godly grief that the scriptures talk about, when you are heavy burdened for somebody, whether it's your child or somebody that you know is running away from the Lord, God uses that to save people. But what he also does is that he uses that godly grief in your own heart to draw you to Christ. He, he uses what breaks you to bring you into the deep awareness that you're united to him. And that it was never about how good of a mother you were to begin with in the first place. Or father. Um, look, y'all, uh, this, is, this is where we want to end. And as I was thinking about, you know, all the mothers that I know, um, life isn't about how good of a mother you are or how good of a mother you had. And the book of Ruth is ultimately about how all of our stories, this is true, y'all, all of our stories are just one tiny piece of the tapestry of what God's doing in the entire cosmos to push us to the redemption that's found in Jesus Christ. There was something about you before you were a mom where your deepest identity was actually held in the Godhead. And what that means, y'all, mothers, um, it's okay to fail. It's okay to not know what to do. It's okay um, when you find yourself too enmeshed in the lives of your children. It's okay when you feel like you're not enough. It's okay when you're too tired to not even know what you feel. It's okay when you feel like you've neglected your children because all of the other parts of your life just swallowed you and you just feel like you're scraping by and you walk through this life and you feel like, I'm, dro I'm, I'm dropping like 10 balls at the same time and I don't know how to do it. It's okay. And the reason why it's okay is because in just a little while, you'll see that your entire life, your love and your pain was pushing you more and more inside the protection of God himself, all of it. That that's where it's heading for you. And our passage says it like this. The barley harvest is coming. Psalm 126 talks about how uh, people are weeping and weeping and weeping. And at the end of the psalm, you have these people just with full hands, with lots and lots of wheat in their hands. That's going to be the picture of Naomi and Ruth when it's all said and done. But right now in the story, what they need to hear and what you need to hear is that you're covered in the protection of God's love, his Hesed love. And that you were worth God's child. That's how important you are. That you were worth the death of God's child. And therefore, whoever gets you as a mother gets a good thing. And if you're not a mother or you're single or you're a man here today, the message is the same for us. Go give that love to everyone around you today, and if you forget to, it's okay. 
Try again. And know that God's not disappointed in you. He can't be because of Jesus. And that's what our children need most of all, y'all. They, they need parents who know that God sees them and is so, so very happy with them. And that, that gospel love, when, when we drink it in deeply, we give it to all those around us. And that is something that no one can take away from us when we believe it, not even our children. So that's part of what this passage is teaching us. The love and pain of motherhood pushes us to Jesus Christ himself. Um, I'm going to pray, and then uh, Steve's going to come down. We're going to do confession and assurance, and uh, we'll go move into the table. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the mothers here in this room. And I ask specifically that you would bless them today, that you would house them in the comfort, rest, and safety of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that they would know um, that they are more than conquerors through you, and that you protect and house us, that you are the true uh, mother bird who hovers over her nest and can actually accomplish what you set out to do because you died and rose again. And so, Lord, help us all to push, push each other towards that good gospel, that good news. In Christ's name, amen.